You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hello and welcome to the Noise Direction Podcast. I'm Matt Bacon here with my co-host, Scotty Tank Crimes. This is a music industry podcast where people who spend too much time on punk teach you to spend too much time on punk. How are you? Hello. Hello and welcome to the Noise Direction Podcast. Yeah, so I was waiting for you to talk over me that entire time. And well, I was thinking, I was thinking as we mature here into the tenth episode. Oh, because we're we maturing might, now. We're maturing, so I thought we might start leaving behind some of the some of the more amateur moments that we've grown through over the years. Not not that we won't be talking, or as I as a it's known when I talk yelling over each other, but uh, but yeah, I'm I'm growing into the maturity. I got caught up on a couple, uh, I'm still like one episode behind, but I got caught up yesterday while I was driving. And uh, you know, it's the best part of the podcast is when you pose a question and I know the answer to it or vice versa. (laughs) Those are better than the parts where we pose a question and go, well, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, me, me, me. But hey, you guys, this uh, Noise Direction podcast, or as I like to call it, Merch Direction podcast. you know, we don't have all the answers, but we can get the wheels turning in your brain and you can help. And we, we're going to we just want to help you along the way. We will we will hold you and Matt will hold you in his strong arms and make you feel like a comfortable baby and then let you release you into the world of music, I, of DIY. I, I would just I would just point out that. Um, I don't think I should be holding any babies. But, you know, just as like a like a like a a warning to any mothers, any young mothers listening to this podcast, like maybe don't give me your baby to hold. But I have a lot of friends with I have a lot of friends with babies and my my brother just had a baby, too. Congratulations. uh, One time I was left alone in my room like a baby was at my house and they (laughs) left it in my room with me and it was just sitting on my bed. And then like everyone went upstairs and I just stood there looking at it. Like, I didn't know what to do with it. I just knew it wasn't supposed to get hurt while I was watching it. So I just literally stared at it, making sure it wouldn't, like, slice its hand open on some broken glass. You see, my bedroom is my bedroom is like a DIY punk venue. There's broken glass. There's, there's chains everywhere. We spit on the floor. Like, it's not a place for a baby. Yeah, no, I get it. Like, I've definitely had I'm, I'm burning i'm burning a can of trash right now in my room <laughs> oh yeah kind of shit we do yeah um i've definitely had moments where i was like i was very clear memory with um uh my my lawyer is a really good guy and a really good friend of mine and i remember a, a very clear moment after smoking a cigar being handed a baby and being like do we do that are babies allowed to smell tobacco <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't know. Look, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, my mom would make my stepdad crack the window of the car in the winter when he smoked. And we were way more upset about the cold Michigan air that would come in than just like clam baking his cigs. Yeah, of course. Fucking real shit, bro. Anyway, regardless. (laughs) Regardless. Anyways, uh. So we're going to talk about labels and how to develop your label roster. If you're trying to start a label, this is a conversation I had 
we, we, I've been, it's been coming up in my life a couple times. So I wanted to kind of go over it with Scotty Tank Crimes, the man who built a punk label, the man who built and a legend. That, That's what we're going to call you. Really? Okay, cool. You know, we just released Tank Coin this morning. It's the first Antifa vegan crypto. Really? Well, I had Marky make a graphic and I thought he was just going to like slap my logo onto like a coin. Like I thought it was going to be really generic. And then he hit me up this morning and he's like, it's rendering. And I was like, what's rendering? And he made like this really cool fucking uh, like gold coin with the Tank Crimes logo like on it, like really nice. And it spins. So that's something I will never one of one NFT. Ooh, good idea. You know, I got hit up by like a guy who's trying to do like the punk rock, heavy metal NFT. He's like launching his new store actually like next month. Oh, and I just, yeah, it sounded kind of fun to get in like on the ground level. Um, but I can't come up with an idea that I think is cool enough. So I think we might do something really stupid to promote an upcoming record, but I don't know. Anyway, the point being, so we, we were getting all sidetracked. Okay. We're going to talk about, so you want to start a record label. How do you do it? How do you direct your signings? Well, here's the thing. Uh, I have changed my, uh, I have changed direction several times in, in almost 20 years now, but I do have what I think is, uh, is like the, the, the number one advice here to start. Okay. Now, mm-hmm. uh, it's really hard, you know, to like, to build the roster. Exactly. This is what we're talking about. So here would be, my sage advice either and this is when you start right either document a very specific sound right or a very specific scene okay these two ways to start now you're welcome to expand once you get going but these two ways are a really good way to break ground because if you're a very specific sound you can capture that audience and the bands you're working with should be fans of each other which helps a lot when your bands on your roster are fans and friends of each other you're those are really good building blocks right so if you're not doing a specific sound and i'm not just saying like oh we do punk or we do metal like do you are you like a brutal death slam label are you a power pop label? Like I'm talking about sub, sub, sub genres for your first handful of releases. It's really going to help you get your name somewhere, right? Because yes, we all like all types of music, of course, right? But you're not doing yourself any favors to be like, well, I like everything. So I'm going to sign a ska band, a emo band, a hip hop act, a fucking death metal band and a crust band. Like, yes, there's some crossover appeal there to some of those genres, but you're really just all over the place. So whose attention are you capturing? Because if your ska band takes off, then those fans aren't necessarily, like I said, a lot of people like a lot of style of music, but they're not necessarily looking for your fucking you know, sportswear hardcore act coming out next, right? And you might lose that attention because 
The other thing is, unless you've somehow amassed uh, a, a huge amount of cash somehow to get started, you're going to probably be doing just two, three releases a year, four, five tops getting started. So you, you want to give people a really clear and concise idea of what, where you're coming from and what you're trying to do. And you can build off that as you grow. Now, the second way, I think, to start, if it's not a very specific sound, would be a very specific scene. Because what you're doing as a label is you're, you're kind of documenting it, right? I mean, you, you are releasing the, the recordings that are coming out of this place and time. So if you document a specific scene now, so you're in, you've, so you get every band in the DIY scene in your area in, you know, Knoxville or, or Bend, Oregon or whatever, you get those all together and then you have the freedom to get the death metal band, the power punk band, because now that you're based in one location, you will find what I was talking about five minutes ago. Those bands also support each other because they're playing together and they're in the same location. And what you're doing is you're building up your, your own community and community can mean a lot of things. And, it, and that can go for both of these style of labels that I'm talking about. And um, I'm going to let Maddie in here, but those are the two basic steps that I stand by for beginning to launch a label and put together a roster. That's step one. Maddie? Yeah. I, yes and no. I think by and large, yes, I agree. Especially when you are, you know, you are recording you know, you're putting out one record and you're like, okay, well, this has got to pay for the next one. And you want, you know, and like, you want to just keep tackling the same existing fans. You know what I mean? Yes. I, I think, and, and it's also good to double down on the scene. I think there are periodically exceptions. You know, I'm thinking of like Metal Assault as a really good example of that. See, like, but I think that Metal Assault has a very specific sound that they're documenting. Am I wrong? I, I don't think so. But anyway, okay. regardless. I mean, oh, but also, like, I know they have, like, some stoner bands, and then, like, I work, I got, I signed, uh, I helped Sea Sleeper get a deal with them, and Sea Sleeper are, like, a death metal band. Um, How many releases into their catalog is that? Uh, I can tell you. Well, I, I figured you could, but that's why I asked. You know, I'm, I'm looking. I mean, it was like it was one of those parts <laughs> of the show where I don't have the immediate answer. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, but Maddie, you're always in front of a computer, right? Like you, that, I'm always pacing around my house, but you're like ready to get those the, those Googleable answers for us to yeah, keep us Sleeper sounding. Was per Bandcamp release number fifteen? Okay, yeah, that's still pretty new, but that's really hitting your stride. Yeah, at that's 15, fair. That's for fair. sure. You know, because or, that's a huge milestone. Because most labels aren't going to make it to five releases. You know, this is true. This is true. Um, you know, I but I okay. Another example would be like um, I had it in my head. I totally dropped it. Um, seeing Red Records, 
has like a pretty diverse set of things. Like they've got some rock bands, they've got some metal bands. They did that. Uh, they did like a false god record, and it's kind of interesting because now, now there's a couple points here with seeing red in particular. Okay, is and I've talked to Thomas, who owns this label and also uh, Redefining Darkness, where like one of my favorite death metal labels right now. And he basically was like, look, I wanted Seeing Red to be my more diverse label modeled after like Relapse and then Redefining Darkness to be my death metal label modeled after like um, Darkness Descends or something. Well, that's a great example. I mean, that he had the he had the uh, he had the knowledge to know that he wanted one label to still be hyper specific to a sound. Oh, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then 100%. when you're talking about being like emulating a, a label like Relapse. Like relapse started with a very specific sound and seeing that they were documented, right? And then once they grew, they had the freedom to be like, now we're the label of fucking, you know, of uh, horror movie soundtracks, uh, shoegaze, death metal, synthy music, uh, you know, um, they have a dynamic roster. But what I'm yeah. saying is starting out with that kind of dynamic roster I think is, is a, a misstep. Yes. Sure. No, I, I think you're right. I think that's a good point. Now, over the years, so so what I ended up doing, well, so I, how I started was documenting a scene, okay? My, Ten Crimes started hyper-specific to the Bay Area. And I saw the benefits of that because of what we were just talking about. We're all playing together. All the bands are supporting each other. Nothing warms my heart more than seeing a fucking band member wearing another band on the roster's t-shirt, you know, or standing up front at their show. That means so yeah. much to me. And that's proof that it means a lot to the fans. You know, you'll see stuff like that. You'll, you'll see in here, or you maybe you even have your own experience, like how cool it is when you see a musician you like rocking out or wearing merch of another band you like. There's something really satisfying about that, even just as a fan, you know? And so um, I concentrated on the scene and then maybe like, a, maybe a, a, a non-practiced ear might think that everything kind of sounds the same. But I mean, I was, I started doing, you know, kind of throwback hardcore, but was already releasing grind by like my seventh release or something like that, you know, and full and death metal by, uh, I don't know, somewhere in the teens. So I was able to grow off that, but all the bands were still local. So I could put them together on a show and we could build off that. And then, you know, I've touched on this before. Uh, I understand everybody doesn't have a scene like the Bay Area to document, you know? And I, I know that has always been a leg up for me. In the early days, it was like maximum rock and roll is what propelled all our album sales. Well, half the yeah. fucking staff of maximum rock and rolls at my show, you know? So it's not this big push to try to get some attention. And I understand that that was a huge leg up that I had early. Absolutely. As I grew the label, as I grew the label, as I'm traveling more um, and hosting more bands here, um, I guess a few, I don't know how many years, I'm going to be bad about the timeline here, but I don't think it's going to make a difference in the conversation. Then I start um, 
reaching out to other bands in other places of the country and eventually other places in the world. And what I was trying to do there was with Tank Crimes was like build this network, this international network of underground bands that yeah. then could all feed off each other the same way that I'm talking about how the, the local bands all could, right? Now, this yeah. proved a little bit more difficult, but it was a cool ride, you know? Yeah, it's funny. There's, yeah. just, Go ahead. there's not as many opportunities for a band from Stockholm to hook up a band from Denton, Texas, the way it is a band from San Francisco to hook up a band from Oakland. Yeah. But I was trying to be the glue that held that all together. And... Um, what I found was, I, I mean, we had success with, with all that around the way. Then personally, I found that I actually preferred having everybody local. I liked to be able to meet up with the guys in the bands, uh, not do everything over email and stuff like that. And I just slowly and quietly helped um, the non-Bay Area bands find other homes to just kind of move on. And then I'll like celebrate the records while they were on the label that to me, I wanted to go back to that where I think a lot of people would think that, well, it might seem like the success would be to keep growing that international brand. And I just, my comfort zone was bringing it back in and bringing it back home. Sure. And it's funny what you say about building that international brand where bands can help each other, because that was literally part of how uh, Ripple Music built their roster. It was like, oh, hey, like, what if we just sign bands so that, like, someone could, like, book a national tour? Because it was like, oh, hey, okay. We got a band in oh, Texas. Yeah. We got a band in, you know, we got a band in Louisiana. We got a band in Atlanta. We got a you know, you know what I mean? Like, you could do that. Yeah, I mean, I said nothing makes me happier than seeing one member, one band member wear another band member's, another band's T-shirt. You know what fucking fills my black heart with joy is like seeing a band sleeping on the floor of another band in another state or another country. That is just like, that just feels like the ultimate building blocks of community. You know, but just, but just as a note, just as a note, just because someone is on your label does not mean they're going to hook you up. Uh, no, well, that's also why, I mean, oh, I, yeah, I, I, like, is... I know, I know you kind of self-select for that, but I'm just saying like, I've seen people get frustrated by this before where it's like, oh, we're label mates. Shouldn't we have the thing? And that's not always the case. Which will, without getting too far away, because I know we're talking about roster building, but you're, Maddie's right. I do, I avoid that when I'm building the Tank Crimes roster because I don't accept demos or sign bands that are strangers. That kind of stuff. Um, hyper specifically because there's bad apples and I, I know that putting my name on the back of a record makes me responsible for better or for worse. And I just like to know every single person involved to know what I'm getting into. And there's not a lot of money. I've said this before. It's really about friendships and experiences to me. And so that's what else comes along with the selection, right? Um, and I want to know that these people will be ready to help everybody else. You know, I, you want that, that sense of family. 
nothing would be more discouraging to me than a band being like, oh, sorry, we can't help out your boys. And I'm like, but they're your boys too. And they're coming to town, you know? Um, yeah. And that's, I can say firsthand that that is extremely goddamn aggravating. You know, it's one of those things where like everyone wants to be friends until, until they got to do, until they have to lift a fucking finger for yeah, someone, not like, themselves. Hey, could you like, we're touring internationally. Could you like book us a sick show in your hometown because we've been talking for five years? <laughs> And then they don't reply and you're like, oh, okay. Um, you know. One of the ways, I'm gonna, I'm gonna reel it back. One of the ways sure. to build, one of the ways to build your label and to build the credibility is to license releases off of other labels, right? So yeah. when I was starting, like now so much, it's more difficult to license the vinyl release because there's there's actually money to made it, be made in vinyl and all, all labels are back on board with this today. But it wasn't very long ago that even labels like Relapse or Profound Lore, you could, you could license a release from them for vinyl. So you could see a lot of success because, uh, I mean, if you license a popular vinyl release, I mean, you can sell a few thousand copies, right? That can really put you on the map you're kind of uh, grabbing onto the coattails of another label, which by the way, there is nothing wrong with coattails in this industry. It's all what it is. I've been jumping from coattail to coattail since day one. What you Why have you to remember to- podcast? Exactly. And what you have to remember to do though, as you jump from coattail to coattail, do not forget to reach down and grab your friends below. Hang your own coattails low friends because yeah when you let someone jump off you it's just playing that great cosmic game because you have jumped off the coattails of the of the great men and women who came before you yeah no um you know even if and this is another point just as a side note like what you'll find is like a lot of your friends are actively working against their own best interest you still want to help them. Yeah, well, you'll have different views of what the best interest is. If you're in the position of minor Maddie's, um, which is kind of like a managemental guidance person, um, not, I mean, not everybody responds to that. Not everyone even agrees with, with some of the advice that Maddie or I might push onto a band that we think is extremely important. And, and some some tips are going to just go right. I don't want to say over their head because that's almost like saying they're too dumb to get it. And I'm not saying that. So I'll say they go they right don't have through the somewhere. They just, yeah, it goes right through you. It's not over your head. It's not under your feet. It's right through you because of that. And that's, that's also another good reason to have a good friendship where there's mutual respect because you need someone to be able to give you the time of day to explain things you know, in a, in a yeah. way that makes sense and in a way that can get people on board. And the point now, being, before, so just, yeah, I was going to circle it back, but go ahead. Well, I just want, I don't want to lose. I was talking about licensing stuff, you know, yeah. and, not, and then I was saying it, maybe that ship has sailed to lo to license vinyl right now, at least until the larger labels start seeing some losses in vinyl, which doesn't feel like it's coming anytime soon, but you can still get in. Uh, you can still do this in the tape game. Yeah. And of course, many labels starting up now 
are tape labels. You know, it's really a smaller investment. It's a lot easier, right? There's tons of labels. And then there's even a, a label like me. This is not an offer for people to start bombarding me with license requests, but I don't do a cassette for every release that I do, right? I do vinyl for everything. I don't always do CD and I don't always do cassette. So if you look at that, if you have a relationship with a label or a band and you see they're not doing that, um, that's another place where you can get in. And even a, 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 a forward thinking, really big label will even will understand that that would actually help the release. Case in point, when Municipal Waste first signed to Nuclear Blast, I don't know, eight, nine years ago, um, the first record there was The Fatal Feast. And, and this might surprise people. It was actually Gerardo at Nuclear Blast's idea for Tank Crimes to do the cassette of that. He understood that this was a band that came from one place, had become an international contemporary band, now a legacy band, flat out, full on, but that by Nuclear Blast having Tank Crimes make the cassette, it like keeps, we talk about this a lot, Maddie, you keep one foot where you came from, and you step towards where you're going with the other foot, you know? And so you might find as a smaller label that you're not actually being annoying when you're hitting up people to do a tape, something like that. They may see the benefit of that for everyone. Yeah, I was also gonna say, tied into that kind of similar, sometimes you can do a split. And splits don't necessarily sell as well, but usually contracts will like say like, oh, hey, like EPs and splits don't count towards the number of records you have towards the label. So you can put them out with whoever you want. Yeah, Maddie's got a good point that hitting up a a band that's that's on another label to do a split or EP, which is a position I've found myself in sometimes with with some of my some of our bands that are signed to larger labels exactly what he's saying usually that the label they're signed to will want the digital from that but the physical release whether it be a seven inch or a split um usually usually you can pull that off if the if the band is on your team there you know yeah um split uh, another way to go i know this is what you're talking about but split label releases um, yes can be a Okay, so here's the thing. I mean, it can be yes a great no. way to start. Exactly. Here's the yes. Hey, maybe I don't have fucking $3,000 to make 500 LPs, right? But maybe I got a thousand bucks, you know? So, so obviously the benefit here of the split label is money. You know, we don't have it all. We team up together. Now we can afford it. What happened to me uh, I mean, I've done several split label releases and I don't re- I don't want to say I regret any of them, but lo and behold, each and every time I find myself in a position where I'm doing all the work. I yeah. And and that's like this is with bands. This is with labels. This is with any creative project. If you feel personally that you are shouldering the the most amount of work and your partners aren't reciprocating this is bad blood right away 
This is just straight bad blood. It's not going to work. Unless it's a situation. And like, there, but then there's like the flip side, right? Where it's like, you know, um, I think sometimes you have to appreciate there are moments where you bleed out your eyes for something because it is that step up, right? Like I bleed out my eyes for black light media, you know, because that's such a huge step up for me. Like that's that. Yeah, well, a, you're personally invested in their success, you know? Yeah. You know, so I'm just saying like sometimes when, you know, you're the tiny label and your buddy who runs a big label decides to do a co-release with you, but like be upfront, you know, like make sure people know, you know, but I, I just want to sort of be clear. Well, I get, I, okay. I'll, I'll take it back to make sure when you get an opportunity, what I felt was I had my wheels spinning so fast and such goals moving ahead in so much ambition that some people I partnered up with um, thought they could take the back seat and yeah. have and sell a bunch yeah. of records, which happened. And like I said, I never, I, I just stepped away from doing split releases, you know? One um, the, I, yeah. Go ahead. Well, then let me give you the other flip. This is on Maddie's side. I did a split release three years ago um, with Carbonized Records, which is Chad from Necrot's label. And this is an example of how this shit works uh, positively is that Chad hit me up to release his other band, Mortuous, right? Mm-hmm. I passed. I passed on Mortuous. Thinking back, I shouldn't have passed on it, but it doesn't matter because I didn't end up passing I passed on Mortuous and Chad said, ah, you know what? I think I'm just going to do it because I've been wanting to start a label. I don't want to give this release to somebody who I won't think will do a good job. I wanted Tank Crimes to do it, but if Tank Crimes isn't going to do it, I'm going to do it because it deserves what I want for it. And I immediately said, dude, you want to start a label? And he was like, yeah. And I go, fuck yeah. Let's do a split release for the first press. I'll get you on your feet and then you fucking take it from there. And sure. really, I can't see myself doing a split re- label release that wasn't something like that with the position that I'm in right now. And uh, I've actually given that vinyl. Now, Chad and Carbonized Records has, for the second press, they took Tank Crimes off it. He, I, I basically coached him up the steps and then pushed him down the slide, you know, and let him take it and run with it. And now it's only been three years. And honestly, the, the pandemic really helped his, well, the pandemic helped all labels with sales, but because he didn't play 150 shows with Necrot last year, he put out like four more releases, you know, and now this record, now this label carbonized has like really come a long way. And uh, I'm, I don't, my only involvement with carbonized now is that, Chad's one of my closest friends, you know, um, I have no like hands in, in what he's doing anymore. And he's, t- be, you know, besides maybe adv- friendly advice, but he has taken it from there. So, uh, so where am I saying? I'm saying, I don't like doing split releases, I guess, unless I'm the heavier hand, you know, but my same complaint about, about doing split releases was someone not holding up their end. And I guess in this situation, that wasn't the case at all. Um, because he was yeah. so excited to get his stuff done and he really followed through the way I expect. I, I, I just want to wrap, I just want to, we got to wrap up soon, but just as, as a side cool. point, um, 
you know, uh, one thing we've had a lot of success with split releases with Ripple, where what we did was we handled the US and the other label handed, handled Europe. And I think sometimes that's like a tasteful way to do it that covers your ass. And also Absolutely, keep, especially with vinyl. Yeah, especially with yeah. vinyl, especially if you don't necessarily have... With Ripple, it started because we didn't necessarily have a great setup in Europe, and now we do. Uh, but then we just kind of kept doing it because like, we had these good relationships in place. And, you know, I think if you're like trying you know if you've got like some band on your label you're trying to like take to the next level or whatever and you want to like figure out oh hey like what can we do to sort of help elevate them one of the best tactics you can engage in is to just do a split release with a euro label who's into it and then everyone's a winner and maddie what to follow through on what maddie just said is there's sometimes where you have to push your ego aside and know that you can't handle everything like you can't sit here in fucking california and think you can do a better job in the uk than the boots on the ground in the uk so sometimes you don't want to give away that control but if you're truly looking for the best interests of the release you'll you'll know when it's right yeah anyway so the point being the general consensus is Typically, you want to start your label doing something very clear, get your get moving properly, start to build up a bit of a name, a bit of a reputation, and then hustle from there. Simple as that, right? Ja, roster Farai. I just came up with that. God damn it, Scotty. <laughs> roster Farai, come on. Thank you for listening to the Noise Direction podcast. Peace out. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now on Evergreen and wherever you get your podcasts.